the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. The Bible lines up with the evidence when it comes to the creation account, when it comes to the origin of man and Adam and Eve, when it comes to the flood of Noah. There's there's scientific evidence that, that can line up with that, that agrees with that and points that. And here the Lord lays down this challenge to other gods. He says, prove you're a god. Let's see that you're a god. Prove it to us by telling us what the future holds, by prophecy. And so again, this is something that is unique to the Bible. There's no other collection of writings in all of history that come close to the authentic, unique, and self-validating nature of the Holy Bible. Throughout its pages, we find a mixture of scientific claims made centuries before their discovery, and perhaps most important, pinpoint accurate prophecy. In today's message, Pastor Dan reflects on the Lord's invitation for any and all who are able to give another explanation for all of creation. In his study, you'll learn that out of all the Bible's unique characteristics, prophecy is perhaps the most validating of them all. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 13, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Isaiah 13. We're also going to look in Matthew 25 and Genesis 11 tonight. So Isaiah 13, Matthew 25, Genesis 11. You know, Isaiah was was principally a, a prophet to Judah and the city of Jerusalem, the capital of Judah. Uh, but in the next 11 chapters... He's going to speak to the Gentile nations, and he's going to speak to specific Gentile nations kind of one by one, and the thing that these nations all have in common is that, first of all, they they exalted themselves. They were prideful nations, and the second thing they have in common is they all came against Israel in some way. Uh, They were uh, opponents of the people of God in some way, and so God will judge them. For that, God's going to judge them because of the way they treated his people, Israel. Um, so before we, we get into the text of Isaiah, I want, to, I want to go to the New Testament. So let's go over to Matthew 25 together. Matthew 25. And here, this is Jesus speaking about his second coming and his judgment of the nations. Matthew 25, verse 31 When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. 
Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Verse 37, Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And so Jesus here is going to judge the nations based on how they treat his brethren. Who are his brethren? The Jewish people, the people of Israel. He goes on to say, uh, then he will also say to those on the left hand, the goats, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so there's... uh, and the judgment at the end of the age, the judgment of the nations, in some way, an element of it is, is how those nations treated the people of God, uh, specifically the, the, the Israelites, the Jewish people. And we see that back in Isaiah, beginning in Isaiah chapter 13. And for the next 11 chapters, God will declare that he is going to judge these Gentile nations And the common thread with these nations uh, is, again, that they are prideful nations, but also they all came against the children of Israel in some way and opposed the children of Israel. And and that's why God is judging them uh, here in Isaiah. And so we begin in Isaiah 13 with the nation of Babylon, the burden against Babylon. Now, when Isaiah wrote this, Uh, Assyria, if you remember, that was the major world power at that time. Babylon was just a city in the Assyrian Empire. It was a large city, but it was just a city in the Assyrian Empire at the time that Isaiah wrote this. Babylon did not become a, a world empire until about 100 years after the time of Isaiah. And, and, and yet, so here he's talking about the Babylonian Empire, this world empire, yet it's just a city at this point. Uh, down in verse 17 of chapter 13, uh, he mentions the Medes that will come against the Babylonians. And this is referring to the Medo-Persian Empire that would conquer the Babylonian Empire. When Isaiah wrote these words, the Medes were just a nomadic tribe of people. They were living in tents. 
They weren't even uh, really a nation uh, to speak of at, at this point. They were, uh, they were a nomadic group living in modern-day Iran. And so Isaiah here, he is prophetically speaking about the future Babylonian Empire and the future Medo-Persian Empire, neither of which existed as empires as he's writing this. Now, why do I point that out? Because critics of the Bible and liberal scholars, uh, they, they say that there was not uh, one author of Isaiah, that Isaiah was not written by the prophet Isaiah. They say that there were multiple authors of the book of Isaiah writing over hundreds of years and they say that these different authors just compiled all of these stories, and they say that these details about the Babylonian Empire and the Medo-Persian Empire were actually added after the fact. And the reason that liberal scholars and critics of the Bible say that is because they do not believe the Bible is written by God. And they don't believe it's a supernatural book. And they don't believe in the inspiration of, of Scripture or the inerrancy of Scripture or the infallibility of Scripture. They believe that the Bible was written by men, that it's just a collection of men's thoughts about God. And because it was written by men, it cannot contain prophecies about future events because that's not possible for a man to do that. And so they conclude, well... Somebody at a later date, after these events took place, must have gone back and added them into the text of Isaiah and wrote them in such a way that they read like they're describing future events or predicting future events about Babylon and about the Medo-Persian Empire, but they were actually written much later and just inserted into the text. Otherwise, it's something supernatural, and that's not an option for them. So this is their logical explanation for this. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus quotes several times from Isaiah, and he quotes from several different parts of the book of Isaiah, and Jesus attributes all of those passages to the prophet Isaiah. And liberal scholars would say that Jesus just didn't know uh, at that time that it was written by multiple authors. Uh, The writers of the New Testament quote from Isaiah And they attribute it to the prophet Isaiah. It really is only until recently, recent history, that critics and liberals have questioned the authorship of the book of Isaiah. That's kind of a new thing historically. But this kind of passage uh, in chapter 13, chapter 14, it drives those liberals crazy because they've got to explain these chapters. And for us that believe in the inspiration of Scripture, that believe that the Bible is the Word of God, these chapters affirm for us the uniqueness of the Bible. It affirms for us that it truly is the Word of God because of the the prophetic element of it, that it can describe future events before they happen. Uh, There's no other book uh, like the Bible that describes future events or has a prophetic element to it. There's no other books like that. Uh, there's, there's no other so-called gods that speak words of prophecy. The, the Koran doesn't have prophecy in it. No other uh, holy books, religious writings contain prophecy like the Bible. The Bible is unique when it comes to that. 
And it is one of the things that proves to us that the Bible is not a normal book. It's a supernatural book. Uh, Turn with me over to Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. Uh, Here in Isaiah 41, the Lord God, Yahweh, he challenges other gods to prove that they are gods by foretelling the future or by prophecy, giving prophecy. In Isaiah 41, verse 21, the Lord says, Present your case, says the Lord. He's speaking to other gods. Present your case, says the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, says the king of Jacob. Let them bring forth and show us what will happen, future events. Let them show the former things, what they were, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them and declare to us things to come. Show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that you are God's. Yes, do good or do evil, that we may be dismayed and see it together. Indeed, the Lord speaking, he says, you are nothing, and your work is nothing. And he who chooses you is an abomination. And here here the Lord says, present your case. You know, prove to us that you're God. Uh, Show us what will happen. If you, if you know the latter end of them, declare the latter end. Declare to us things to come that we will know that you are God. You know, I like also in verse 22, he, he says, Show us the former things, what they were, that we may consider them. You know, tell us what happened a long time ago. You know, tell us uh, how the world came into existence. Tell us the origin of man. And then he says, you know, so that we can consider what you say, so that we can uh, consider the evidence. You know, tell us where the heavens came from. Tell us where the earth came from. Tell us where man came from. And then we'll look at the evidence and see if your story of the origins of everything, see if it lines up with the evidence. Because the evidence, the Bible lines up with the evidence when it comes to the creation account, when it comes to the origin of man and Adam and Eve, when it comes to the flood of Noah, there, there's, there's scientific evidence that, that can line up with that, that agrees with that and points to that. And here the Lord lays down this challenge to other gods. He says, prove you're a God. Let's see that you're a God. Prove it to us by telling us what the future holds, by prophecy. And so again, this is something that is unique to the Bible. Now going back to chapter 13, this uh, this prophecy against Babylon, again, before Babylon even existed as an empire. It's just a city within the Assyrian Empire at this point. Verse 1, Now the burden against Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos uh, saw. Isaiah calls his message against Babylon a burden. It's, It's a heavy message. He describes the future destruction of Babylon. Lift up a banner on the high mountain. Raise your voice to them. Wave your hand, you know, to get their attention, that they may enter the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for my anger, those who rejoice in my exaltation. The noise of a multitude and the mountains, speaking of this army that's coming against Babylon, like that of many people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together, The Lord of hosts musters the army for battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven. 
you know, the Medo-Persian Empire is, uh, is in Iran. They're coming from beyond the horizon is the idea. The Lord and his weapons of indignation to destroy the whole land. And so God here, he calls the army, uh, an army against the Babylonian Empire. Uh, and again, Isaiah says this decades before Babylon was a world power. And now beginning in verse 6, he speaks of the day of the Lord, uh, which refers to the time of the tribulation period in the last days. And so this prophecy against Babylon, it has what's called a dual fulfillment. We've talked about this before. Uh, many of the Old Testament prophets, when they, when they gave a prophecy, it had a dual fulfillment or a dual meaning to it. Uh, there was the, the near fulfillment of it, and then there was the future fulfillment of it or the far fulfillment of it. And so for this prophecy, the, the near fulfillment, uh, it, it is literally referring to the Babylonian Empire that would come on the scene just uh, years after Isaiah uh, goes to be with the Lord and, and the destruction of the Babylonian Empire. That's the near fulfillment. But the future fulfillment ultimately is when it's fulfilled during the Great Tribulation period at the end of the age. Uh, Babylon in the Bible... Babylon in the Bible can refer to the Babylonian empire that's described in the Old Testament. It can refer to that city or that empire uh, that's in modern-day Iraq. But Babylon in the Bible is also a symbol of the world system. It's a symbol of the world system that opposes God and that exalts man. Uh, and this world system of Babylon, it, it goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel, which was in Babylon. Uh, if you go back with me to Genesis 11, Genesis 11, Genesis 11, this is after the flood of Noah. God's already judged the earth because of its, of its wickedness. And here in Genesis 11, you have the people of Babel uh, who try to exalt themselves above God. And they, they oppose God, they reject God's authority and God's rule over them, and they want to exalt themselves, and they build this tower. Uh, Genesis 11, verse 1, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and they had as, asphalt for mortar or pitch. Now, where did they get the idea of pitch? From Genesis 6 with Noah and the ark. Remember, it says that Noah covered the ark inside and out with pitch, with tar, to waterproof the ark. And here you have the Tower of Babel. They're building it out of brick, and they're going to use pitch on the Tower of Babel. They're going to try and waterproof it in case God wants to judge the earth again with a flood. They'll be ready for it. You know, it's not going to flood their, their tower. And so they're going to make these bricks. They're going to use pitch for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And, and that's, that's the spirit behind Babylon. You know, this, this a rejection of God's authority an opposition to God, and let us exalt ourselves. We can be our own God. 
We don't need God. We can be our own. And we'll, we'll make a, a great name for ourselves. That, that's, that's the spirit behind, behind Babylon. And, and you, you see this, this kind of spirit, uh, this mind kind of at work throughout human history. In this time of Isaiah, just after the time of Isaiah, you have the Babylonian Empire. And then as you go through the scriptures, you see even in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 17 and 18 describes the destruction of Babylon during the Great Tribulation. And there in Revelation, the the Babylon that's talked about there is, is an economic Babylon. And it's a religious Babylon. It's this, it's this economic world system that's going to be in place at the end of the age. And this religious system that's going to be in place at the end of the age. That opposes God, rejects God, and exalts man, and elevates man. And man is his own God. And one commentator said, In the Old Testament, the name Babylon is associated with organized idolatry, blasphemy, and the persecution of God's people. And in the New Testament, that's the world system that's in place in the last days. And so you have, you know, the literal physical Babylon that Isaiah is referring to, but then you also have the spiritual Babylon. You know, just kind of this world system that is always in place somewhere kind of in the world. It's interesting in the Bible, uh, Babylon is mentioned 287 times in Scripture. Uh, That's more than any other city except the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is mentioned 767 times in the Scriptures. And so you you have two cities. You have two cities in the Scriptures. You've got Jerusalem, which is the city of God. And then you've got Babylon, the city of man. You know, that exalts man and rejects God, is blasphemous toward God. And these, these two cities, in a sense, are competing for control of the world at all times. And in the end, in the last days, Babylon will be the world power. You know, and you'll have the Antichrist ruling over Babylon, and he'll have the mark of the beast, 666, which is the number of man. You know, man will finally be elevated. Man will finally be on top, and God will be rejected and put out, of, put out of the way, put aside in this last world empire of man upon the earth before Jesus Christ comes back to Jerusalem and deals with the Babylon empire. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton for his verse-by-verse study through the book of Isaiah. This extraordinary book is quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament book. Plus, it provides us with the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It includes the full scope of his life and ministry, from his virgin birth to his sacrificial death to his resurrection and second coming in glory. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an edition of this program. That website again is calvaryec.com. We'd love to hear from you too and learn how Ring of Truth has blessed you. 
please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Let us know how God is working in your life and if there's anything that we can be praying for during this study of Isaiah. That number again is 410-491-4592. With that, our time with you has come to an end. We pray the Lord bless and keep you and that your faith is deepened with each passing day. Tune in next time to continue our study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.